0: Hello. How are you? Tired. Tired. Mm-hmm. So distinct from every other phone call we've ever had.
1: I haven't. I haven't used tired in a while. <laughs> this kind of tape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, play that back. Um, I'm. Um, uh, I'm, uh, I'm alright. I'm fine. I'm. You know, whatever. How are okay. you?
0: I'm okay. Okay. I'm fine. It's a it's a there's a light misting in the air in Los Angeles, mm. Uh, mm. which, as you know, um, means traffic and just minor irritation. But were, uh, were, there,
1: were there more helicopter photos of the 405 with lots of lights on them? Because that that's a thing that happens.
0: No, but I I, I I like the aerial traffic photography. I know that you you probably <laughs> don't care for it as much, uh, but
1: <laughs> you, you just like to to, to see. What it looks like from the air, all the traffic you're sitting in, or yeah, are you I playing mean, like a Where's Waldo? Where you're trying to see yourself there?
0: No, it's just something uh, visually impressive about the scale of the thing. Mm, uh, the scale yeah. of your misery. <laughs> it's the scale of my misery. Uh, speaking of the scale of misery, uh, we 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 did we did a we did another movie. Uh, we did another mid '90s superhero. Oh,
1: so stupid. Why do we do these things to
0: ourselves? Uh, yeah, I mean I I can think of reasons, but uh specifically in this case, uh we 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 did this one because we just did the Phantom and the Shadow is another classic uh hero that was revived <laughs> um
1: from a from a comic strip or something, right?
0: Well, uh from a radio program and then uh, also, a series of pulp novels, and a synthesis of the two uh, is really what you get with the movie, where there are certain aspects of it that come from the pulp novels, and certain aspects of it that come from uh, the the radio dramas. Um, having not lived in the era in which this was popular, I had no specific point of reference or any issues to take with uh, the implementation of that source material into what you see on screen but i have some notes on (laughs) what actually was written down to go to screen uh just like in a general you know we're gonna make a movie and it's gonna be about this kind of a thing uh because like the phantom you have a hero origin story uh which centers on uh a white guy going to a place and getting mystical stuff from a made-up, uh, cultural thing, and then using those mystical things to do stuff. Uh, unlike the Phantom, I feel like they leaned slightly more heavily on, uh, the sort of, mm, made-up, uh, mid-Asia stuff that they, they went with. Uh, kind of like Doctor Strange or Iron Fist or any of that uh, comic book stuff where it's like yeah there's a mystical place in the mountains where you go and you learn a thing from an old guy and uh or young teenager with an old guy voice uh and so then you're saying there
1: aren't temples in the mountains in Asia where you can learn how to fly and mm, use mental telepathy to shoot daggers at people
0: not a lot of them probably <laughs> I mean, Not we can check Redfin or Zillow. Yeah,
1: in this economy, there's probably only like two left. Yes, in this economy.
0: But uh, all, all, the,
1: all the good ones were torn down and replaced with condos.
0: Yeah, no, it, it, it's, it's just a, another kind of tired trope. And if you have the opportunity to revitalize something for a modern uh, era, maybe maybe revitalize that kind of part of it because mm. the movie literally starts with opium fields of Tibet. Um,
1: <laughs> I, I, w- I kind of wish I would have watched the trailer ahead of time too because uh, uh, like you, you're expecting this like 1930s New York City noir and then it shows up in uh, Tibet or is it w- whatever you just said and then you're like wait a minute and now he has long hair. And then he's in this little opium den or whatever. And it's like he's got these nails. It's like, what is happening here? Did I watch the wrong movie? And, and it, it takes you a while to realize, no, this is this is the same movie. They just they have a really long, terrible setup for it.
0: Yeah, you see, we start with the opium fields of uh, Tibet, which look in no way like Southern California, and they they have this opium den where. Uh, alec baldwin is scarface and he's (laughs) sitting in the shadows with
1: his long hair yeah and and he's his his, his long nails and he's feeding uh it was like pulled pork
0: to his bulldog uh yeah well it looks like some sort of dried meat like more like jerky or something but uh he he was uh he's basically there as this drug overlord warlord kind of guy and uh he's you know, doing horrible stuff and killing people. And uh, it's all for money and drugs. And he seems to be partaking in the product. Uh, or, well, something else. I don't know. Does opium make you, like, a homicidal, edgy maniac? I'm not sure. but I
1: wouldn't think so. Um, but uh, th- there's also this, I mean, it, it comes out mostly later, but basically this is post, World War 1 and like after the war he just kind of like disappeared. He just went AWOL and like ended up here for a bunch of years and then somehow turned into like a mob boss. Like he he saw an opportunity to just go kill a bunch of people or something and uh and and rule uh his group of evil drug dealing mobsters. So uh, he he hung out there for A couple of years and then and he did some training for a few more years and then he went back to america so that whole thing is very weird
0: yeah well because we also we also are introduced to uh well something the screenwriter wanted to do is have a thing that he was like atoning for which i guess i could see sort of that would be nice it'd be a twist on things you know it's not It's not like Batman, you know, he's not mourning the loss of pearls in an alley. Um,
1: This is (laughs) and it's good to have something where it's like he's he's got an internal battle where he's uh, formerly been a bad person and he's trying to grapple with whether or not that is his continued destiny or if he can, you know, use his evil skills for good and help people Um, and, and given all of the horrible things that he's purportedly done and, you know, some of his weird memories, which look like scenes out of Braveheart or something. <laughs> um, you, you, you get the feeling that he's just like, I don't know, he's like a demon or something. I mean, they, they, they dance the line, uh, frequently with, um, fake stupid mysticism stuff. And like, whether people are just people or they, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. They're not like monstrous gods or something, but they 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 uh they have they have powers and things. It's almost like um Clash of the Titans, kind of like random person with weird power stuff.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, see, he he uh, this is the tricky part because we we see how awful he is. Like not just like he's selling drugs and people incidentally die from those drugs or they uh. Uh, do financial damage in order to obtain those drugs. No, 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 no. He's he's just cold-blooded, straight-up murdering people and even his allies, his closest friends, uh, he, he has one of his, uh, basically his assistant, um, gunned down just so they can quickly and easily dispatch uh, the other guy behind him um, who threatens uh, that his brothers will come after him even though that has nothing to do with the rest of the movie so don't don't really hold on waiting for the brothers to show up because they don't but uh but that of of course is uh uh james hong uh a a veteran um character actor uh who always is cast in these sorts of roles uh probably most notably in in big trouble in little china as lo pan um but uh he he is dispatched and then we have the weird nighttime scene where we see his hairy chested long hair orgy thing that he's got going on.
1: <laughs> yeah. And this is again, some of the mysticism stuff where it makes you wonder like, um, did the war like bring out the bad in him and like make him a bad person. And now he's an opium mob boss. And then he just happens to stumble his way into the the mystical Hills of Tibet or whatever. Or, uh, was, was he, was he born with, uh, evil devil powers and that's why he uh, did very well during the war and then found opportunity afterward because he's got he's got what it, it's it's not really just like he saw a dream or whatever he's like being uh, he, he's, he's he's got dream telepathy or something he's seeing things and he's he's getting messages and stuff and and, and uh, I forget how, how exactly he finds his way to the uh, the, uh, the, the palace the people he, do people kidnap him
0: yeah he's kidnapped uh, he's he's He wakes up from the dream where he sees um, uh, the, the, uh, Tolku, um, which it would, well, it's not a specific person as much as as it is, like, a kind of thing. Anyway, there are several things in this, Tolku and Ferba, which are um, just like, hey, I, I saw something in a book, and I'll just put it in here and change what it's about. Um, Because it's more convenient, but, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, let's not, let's not dwell on that part. Uh, so, Tolku, like, appears in a dream, and, and, you know, uh, then he wakes up, wanders around, gets punched out, uh, and then dragged over to, uh, the vicinity of a hut with a bunch of fog in the background, and then the fog dissipates, and, uh, you see this huge cobra-headed temple thing, and the guy says that you know the clouded mind see, uh, sees nothing, and they take him on in there. Uh, he he's still shirtless and with long fingernails and long hair, and confronts Tolku about why he's been abducted and how he'll make him regret this. And Tolku, for some reason, has selected him and says something to the effect of, "Uh, the you you will use the black shadow within you in order to atone for whatever." Um, but uh we haven't seen that there is anything mystical to your point inside of uh alec baldwin's character he's he's just kind of some disgusting horrible uh warlord guy but uh that could theoretically be for mystical reasons we have no idea um, yeah,
1: but this whole thing is like he's he's summoned to weird hill temple that was invisible unless you look at it look for it or open your eyes or mind or something, um, because he's a bad person who's going to hell, but before he goes to hell, he should use his abilities to make up for some of the bad things he did, right? That's basically what the guy says to him.
0: Yeah, but I mean, uh, But the weird thing is he's not, he's not strictly speaking, he's he's not punished when he goes back to New York.
1: No, um, it it makes you wonder, why he went along with it because he, he didn't feel a, a a particular regret about being a bad person or it's not like a doctor strange thing where he's like selfishly trying to learn the powers so he can uh, fix his screwed up hand so he can go be famous uh, doctor guy again. Um, he He's just like, yeah, I'm a bad guy and you're going to, you're going to give me powers that I could use to be a good guy. But I don't know. What if I don't yeah. be a good guy?
0: So instead of that character development, we get a a, a battle with a dagger that uh is furba, which is this uh there there are there's a kind of thing a sort of ceremonial stake uh dagger thing that is a a furba there are many of them um but for the purposes of this movie uh it is a weird Headed dagger thing with a face that's CG animated and tiny little fangs, um, and lips that have stretched textures and, uh, it has several tiny hands and it can bend even though it's metal, but, uh, it, oh, and fly through the air, um, and stab people. So it flies it's through like, the air. It's
1: like the bronze owl from the other movies.
0: <laughs> What's his name? Bapo, Bipo? Bupo? What, what was what was the owl's name <laughs> the, the bronze owl named Abuka yeah de yeah peeple. yeah I, I like him the the I bronze i forget yeah for, for, from uh from the clash of the titans the original um mm-hmm. i don't know what the one in the re- remake was um but uh i think he's an easter egg in the new one oh love love easter eggs uh but the the he has this weird dagger fight where he's just you know, walking around a room acting against nothing and uh, being stabbed. And then uh, Telku's like, finally, you know, enough. And then it's like, I will teach you, blah, blah, blah. And then we go to the exposition. Um, So we don't see what he teaches him or know to what end the uh, Cranston, Lamont Cranston learns that he was in the wrong and needs to make uh, atonement for this. and it, it it just it doesn't really factor in. All of a sudden, we get a bunch of text, and uh, instead of m dashes, we get two hyphens, um, which <laughs> is a minor annoyance. But uh, the we processor
1: get... will convert that to an m dash once you you publish
0: it. <laughs> yes, yeah, you just got to use smarty pants. But uh, the the scrolling text goes by, and I I do appreciate that this exposition and scrolling text is after this sort of cold open um and it's not uh we we don't start the movie with exposition uh in text uh flying across the screen but uh we go to new york uh and there is uh well it's it's a city of translates uh that that, <laughs> <laughs> that exists as far as the eye can see well yeah
1: well this first one there's there's a bridge and fog uh so I don't think they're they they quite come to the translates yet, but uh Well
0: uh the the end of the bridge, uh you see the skyline and you see lights going into the distance. Um there was there were no lights there. <laughs> it was all those all that stuff back there was a translate.
1: They uh they worked without the hat. hmm
0: Now what I want to know is you know how everybody's all like, oh you know, practically we can do stuff with projectors and stuff and we can do rear screen better than we ever could. <laughs> do you think there's a <laughs> You think somebody's going to be like, "Hey, we could do we could do a translate better than 1994's The Shadow."
1: <laughs> you know what? Uh, what movie had a, a translate that uh, worked out okay? What would that be? The Social Network.
0: Oh. Uh-huh. What what memorable scene was it?
1: Uh, all of the lawyer uh, conference room scenes. Okay. Originally, they were going to do it green screen and put stuff back there, but they saved the money so they could have a longer shoot i believe
0: well that's fine i mean a translate translates work i have seen many movies where they do work like cruel intentions uh they they shoot that well yeah and you it's just ha-
1: kind of like half closed the blinds and mostly
0: blew it out so you couldn't really tell what anything was anyway that's that's exactly how you have to shoot a translate <laughs> a, lot, a lot of movies real yeah no because a lot of movies don't uh don't don't properly illuminate the translate, so it's darker than it should be and you see yeah, here's more the detail thing about
1: uh, the outside it has the sun and it's brighter out there and then the inside doesn't have the sun even if it has lights and it's darker inside so when you when you expose for the inside the outside gets bright
0: yeah but i wonder specifically in something like this bridge scene do you think you think you could do like a little rear screen translate projection uh where uh you, you tie it up to the camera so when you move the camera you get you, you get a parallax of your <laughs> real time rendered what is uh, this? bridge
1: Superman. Uh you you could do that, yes. That's that's one of the methods they used for um Christopher Reeve's Superman movie.
0: Well, but that was tied to footage they had already shot. What if you could just do it on the fly?
1: Hmm. You you mean like have one camera like on the roof of the building pointed at a city skyline and then one in the studio?
0: No, I mean you build a sky dome in Nuke or whatever. Oh, and, sure, sure. sure. Yeah, and then you point a camera in in 3D space at it uh that matches the camera movement that's on the set and then that's projected in the the background as if it was the extension of the set you're on.
1: Sounds like a waste of effort.
0: I think it would look neat. And you get it, some It
1: would look neat, but I feel like you could just make like a more believable well I mean that's not okay so what people would actually do is just put a green screen and then it would be 90% covered in fog and you would have to roto everything out and then put it back in there anyway and then put more fake fog over top of
0: it no i'm not talking about the the horrible ways people shoot things now what i'm what i'm saying is if you specifically took the technology of <laughs> a translate where <laughs> yeah yes yeah where you have a where you have an illuminated background on set uh wh- how could you improve the illuminated background and it's obviously well, you use well, computers
1: yeah, what we're talking about is is more uh rear screen projection, not translate specifically because translate is like plastic film that's lit. Yeah,
0: differently. yeah. But it would serve the purpose of the translate where you would have rear screen projection that uh was behind all your stuff and moved and had animation to it um and also match the perspective of the camera. Oh, most this is already a
1: thing. I saw a demo of this. There's a studio that does this.
0: Oh. Okay, well, then never mind. My well, my brilliant uh, idea. My brilliant idea won't make any money.
1: <laughs> it was a proof of concept. It was like 6 months ago. You probably saw this too. Is somebody walking around on like a uh like a futuristic catwalk and then like out in the background is like big Blade Runner city, like 200 stories high or something. Uh but it's all a big green screen set, but it's um it's it's tracked with the camera. I don't think it was actually projected. It, I think it was live keyed maybe. But it's nah. basically the same thing with matching the CG environment with the camera movement.
0: No, no, no. See, what I'm talking about is really like a, pr- a- really getting in there and projecting
1: it, so you get your your contact lighting, huh?
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So your contact lighting, um, all your edges look great. You get the little flyaway hairs. Uh, every everything looks fantastic. That's you that's just what I want. Don't want to key anything ever again. No, keying is awful. It's, I, I I had to I had to key something recently where uh, there are very brightly lit illuminated monitors. Um, that are supposed to get very dark security camera footage put into them and why would you do that you jerks um but uh you just get edges you got to
1: make the monitors really bright so you can put tracking markers on there Uh, and then put a black screen on it
0: yeah well anyway my my point is you you would just get some really nice stuff especially like if you look at what (laughs) if if you look at what uh ilm's doing or what first man did um uh, when they're doing the, the, the virtual cockpit garbage crap um, where you get all of the projected stuff where they made all that in post uh, in pre-production and then put that in there so that that way they're not doing a green screen extraction later um, and you get all of that beautiful lighting um, and it, it tracks and looks beautiful inside of the scene. Uh, so something like that would be nice because this translate, um, even though it looks hideous and has the wrong perspective... Uh, it it uh, you don't have any edges, you don't have any matte lines. Um, you have you can have fog on the set, and it will blend in. Like you don't have to have uh, no, you don't have to have a completely crisp, clean set so that you can try to uh, have a have a green screen edge that reads.
1: Was it all translate? It feels like there was some digital matte painting stuff too, like specifically in the New York skyline stuff when they're looking at the uh, the the corner that doesn't have. A hotel on it but does have a hotel on it and oh in the wide shot that that looked very bad
0: oh yeah no all those wide shot things that that's all matte painting um i'm, I'm okay. specifically talking about when they're on the 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 bridge here still at the beginning yeah, um, yeah that those extension the extension of the bridge going off into the distance is a translate and you can tell because the uh they, they tried their best to get this stuff to line up but you can never you can never quite do it because the the lights as they recede into the distance don't match the perspective of where they would be because they have to have those lights painted for the angle that they're going to use when they're shooting straight down the bridge. So when you're doing your your cheated over to the side stuff, it's not it's not exactly the same perspective. But that is neither here nor there.
1: You should uh, this is your this is your um like cover letter for your uh vfx supervisor job isn't
0: it if anyone ever hired me to be a vfx supervisor <laughs> we'd have a lot of problems
1: you would just stand on set 90 percent of the time with your head in your hands just like why why are we doing this
0: or where i wouldn't be on set because maybe the only person who would hire me is somebody who doesn't believe in paying for on-set uh vfx supervisors uh but not to get us distracted since we're not very far into this movie, but uh, there is uh, there are mobsters. Uh, your traditional New York mobsters um, and they have uh, cast uh, a a gentleman's feet in uh, cement um, as as mobsters do, um, and they're going to throw him over the side of the bridge uh, because he apparently looked down the wrong alley and saw something um, and he's pleading for his life. and then we get the uh, the the shadow uh and that is the presence of a laugh an echoing laugh a reverberating laugh uh-huh. uh and uh
1: apparently part of his affliction when he becomes the shadow uh in addition to um growing a horrible fake makeup mask, he also can't stop laughing, yeah, I don't
0: like the the nose thing.
1: It makes no sense to me why, why, when he becomes the shadow and he's concentrating, is it just like in order to have anonymity, I have to modify my face so I look like I'm carved out of a gourd
0: yeah well i i, I believe from my cursory research that uh the costume is something from the pulp novels that uh, he would uh disguise his his appearance uh further than just wearing a bandana around the lower portion of his face, but uh the nose in particular looks silly, uh, as, as I believe you had mentioned Dick Tracy-like. Uh, it is not fleshy, and when you get some of the real, like, close-ups on it, you can see how Halloween mask-looking it is. Um, it, is, it, is not, it is not a finely crafted appliance. Uh, this is before people were using, like, silicone for prosthetics, so it is just a non-light transmitting piece of latex. Uh,
1: it was a better bit later where he's try- where he's tearing the skin off of his face in his nightmare dream. That looks better. Yeah. Aside from all of the, like, trying to hide cuts behind, uh, like, a lamp or something as the camera is uh, dollying around to make it look like it's progressing, but that, you gotta that hide didn't. You got it
0: somewhere.
1: Yeah, they, they didn't really match it very well, because he's, like, he moved, like, three feet in between. But it's
0: a dream. It's um, a dream. What, what I'm more concerned with is later on when he's... Um, Dissolving into his costume or out of his costume um, in the oh, rearview mirror when,
1: when he loses his focus when he's fighting and then he he turns into regular him again without the the face.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, those yeah. are those aren't executed super well. But um, so he it was 1994. He, the technology was
1: very limited. We you know we had those dinosaurs, but
0: well, I mean there there are there's digital compositing in this. There's CG character, uh, a CG character. Uh, there's still. Lots well, who's of the CG character, the the dagger. Yeah, it technically qualifies. Uh, there, there <laughs> okay. is uh, a. I mean, it's an animated thing, but uh, there is a. Uh, uh, there's still plenty of model work in this, and plenty of matte painting, traditional matte painting. Um, and uh, for for this opening scene, you get some of the CG stuff, where you've got uh, the fade in, dissolve, punch, foggy stuff from. Uh, the shadow briefly appearing as he as he hits uh the mobsters. And he uh gets the guy, Duke, uh, to uh go confess his, that he's guilty or whatever. Um and uh then he rescues the scientist guy uh and uh shoots <laughs> the cement off his feet uh which is that's a move. So
1: Probably a little unwise because bullets ricochet off
0: of concrete, but whatever. Yeah, well, he's he's magic. Um, so they they get and then, him. You know,
1: he saves him, and then he and then he, he likes the scientist guy so much that he puts a ring on
0: it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you like a chromium scientist, then put a ring on him. But um, so he he takes him to Peter Boyle's taxi cab. Peter Boyle is driving like a maniac for unexplained reasons uh but uh but the doctor Roy tam um is 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 going to be dropped off uh and the shadow says oh because i have saved you you owe me your life and you must you know be one of my informants and do what i say and when the this when one of my informants says the sun is shining you will say but the ice is slippery
1: this is some 1930s bullshit
0: i mean that's that's why it's in there that it that is you know it is 1930s uh but because you know code words and all that silly stuff uh but that that that, uh what's really nice is when they finally get to their destination and pop out of there uh peter boyle has a has a little moment with him where he he hands him uh the ring and explains the the rules and that you didn't really see him and and stuff but uh i would Don't I would have like never
1: take it off
0: yeah i that's not explained like it's not like he catches fire or anything but uh they uh, he's he's set and uh ready to go and so goodbye for to roy tam for a period of time um even though peter boyle might think that everybody loves roy tam nothing what Nothing? What? Peter Boyle?
1: What what about him?
0: What 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 do you mean what about him? Everybody loves Roy Tam.
1: I sense you're making a reference.
0: Oh my god, from 1996 to 2005, Peter Boyle was on Everybody Loves Raymond as the dad, Frank Barone. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you just made it and everybody loves Raymond reference at me. And you're surprised that wasn't the first thing that came to mind. Yes.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: Uh, I, I should have caught that, but, uh, I hated that show so much. I think I blocked it out.
0: Huh? Well, that's too bad. Uh, one of the main writers who, uh, a lot of, uh, Raymond's attributes are based on Phil Rosenthal has a, has a cooking program uh well not a cooking program a, an eating program he doesn't cook anything uh he just goes around the world eats stuff so
1: uh. who, who whose character is based on
0: that Phil Rosenthal Yeah no who who, who is he is the Raymond the titular Raymond
1: Okay that's good mm-hmm. to know I didn't mm-hmm. I, I didn't know Kinda- there was there was depth and backstory to everybody loves Raymond other than my family so crazy
0: yeah, well, kind of kind of like a Seinfeld uh you know you got your your curb you enthusiasm guy, uh-huh Larry mm-hmm. David, yeah,
1: totally. Yeah. did you ever see that one episode everybody loves Raymond where uh the the mom was like really jealous uh that that uh Raymond's wife was learning to cook really well, so she like sabotaged her by taking the label off of the basil and sticking it on the tarragon. I did not that's <sighs> a very large plot point. Show sucked.
0: Uh, well, I don't see what the big deal is.
1: She couldn't figure out why her sauce was never as good as as the mom's. Mm-hmm. And yeah. she she felt like a failure and she was going to give up, and it turns out the mom was sabotaging her because uh she didn't want to lose the love of her son mm-hmm. uh, who whose love was apparently based on tomato sauce.
0: Yes. All right, so back to this movie. Um God, they, I hate TV uh... in the nineties. Uh, Alec Baldwin, um, is all tired and out of it, uh, and dissolves back into being Alec Baldwin, and uh, tells Peter Boyle to take him to the Cobalt Club. The Cobalt Club is, is of course, uh, your I saw the Rocketeer Club. Um, and
1: yeah. great name though, by the way. I mean, I love, I love all of the old timey names for for various uh clubs and things in, in the uh, the twenties and thirties.
0: Yeah, I mean, and and the 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 set for it looks really nice. Um, got some nice Art Deco.
1: You got your little tables around the uh the large dance area and then the live performer that's dressed up way too much for whatever night of the week it's supposed to be
0: well everybody in here is dressed up way too much for whatever night of the week it's supposed to be um there's a scene later on where uh, penelope ann miller is upset that the police commissioner has been ignoring her so she puts on i guess an emerald gown and like mink shawl or whatever and like (laughs) runs in there and it's like you just seem slightly overdressed for the amount of concern you're supposed to be having but
1: uh the yeah right especially if this is like 1930 and the the economy is probably not necessarily doing that great uh and and her like mink is like dragging on the sidewalk after he drops her back off after the date it's like what are you doing woman you're ruining it yeah
0: no but uh he, he he shows up to meet Jonathan Winters. Uh, the song, by the way, is completely made up, and I don't know why they bothered, but uh, it is by Diane Warren. Uh, but uh, he goes. The, song he's, that the
1: lounge singer is singing?
0: Yeah, I don't I don't know why they went through all that trouble. Just like that, there's so many so many lounge songs. Just just pick one of them. But uh, licensing, you know, yes, it's so much more difficult than hiring Diane Warren to come up with a song. Uh, but they. They uh he, he he arrives and Jonathan Winters is tucking into his prime rib or whatever and his uh beverage. Um and Jonathan Winters lives a very disengaged performance. Uh You're for, always
1: late, kid. What are you doing? You're always late.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and he says I'm I'm sorry, and he's like, Well, I have a bone to pick with you. You're always late. And it's like, Well that, we just just address that. But uh kids these days, no respect. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but uh, you know, he he's your requisite uh superhero uh uh police commissioner uncle daddy uh for for this role.
1: <laughs> is he the police the police commissioner or is he like captain or something?
0: Uh I thought he was the police commissioner, but uh he's he's a uh, he's, you know, a fatherly role, but is the uncle um and uh that's I don't know. We don't really find out what happened to Uh, Lamont Cranston's family in this but uh, they're I guess not alive or they moved to Oklahoma or something but uh, he's
1: I mean you don't think somebody with a particularly uh, solid home life is going to just disappear into uh, the Tibetan opium fields for a decade or so uh, and just not come back until he has superpowers
0: yeah well I mean that's one of the other funny bones to pick that, that Jonathan Winters has he's like you disappeared for seven years. I didn't really think that was weird, but you did a hobby or something because otherwise it looks strange. <laughs> it's like, what? Yeah,
1: you, know, you know when they always say uh, when it comes to raising children, it's nature versus nurture. What, what they don't actually tell you is that the nature portion of that is uh, the opium fields in Tibet.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Jonathan— so you nurture
1: your children or send them to the opium fields in Tibet. Those are your options.
0: Jonathan Winters, though, is you know he's he's the person you want to go to for your fatherly advice. Unfortunately, he doesn't dole out any. Um, and the reason why you want to go to him for your fatherly advice is because he's the voice of Papa Smurf. So
1: there you go. <laughs> he the voice of Papa Smurf?
0: Yes, he was.
1: Uh, I just remember him from what was that movie? It's a Mad, 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 Mad World.
0: Oh, I don't. But uh, he 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 delivers this very disengaged oh, that's performance. Oh, the 2011
1: Smurfs. You're not talking about the the real Smurfs. No, no, no.
0: Though no, the original one.
1: The the real Smurfs and your Smurfs?
0: Yes, and my Smurfs. Hey, now your Smurfs. <laughs> there is there is no need to take that tone with me.
1: <laughs> Sorry, did I just out you as having Smurfs?
0: Yes, yes, you, you Smurfed me. Um, but uh, <laughs> he, the uh, but he, but he has a very um you know Papa Smurf Smurfette attitude about the 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 appearance of uh, uh Ms. Lane, uh, Margot Lane. Um, because he's all like, oh, you don't, you don't want to bother with her because she hears things. She hears voices. Um, that's the talk of the town, apparently. Yeah, uh, What do
1: you, you, you want to go talk to her for? She's a weirdo.
0: Yeah. Why don't you stay here with me so I can scold you about your disappearance for seven years and talk to you about prime rib. Um, but, uh, you drink your, drink
1: your fake martinis there, which at one point he's ordering two at a time of.
0: Yeah, because <laughs> I mean, uh, what I like is also the the complete disbelief that he would want to talk to her after the scolding about having a hobby or something. It's like, uh, I mean, I am not attracted to Margot Lane, but I could see how someone would be attracted to Margot Lane. It doesn't doesn't necessarily. Uh, it's not straining credulity that that <laughs> he would be interested to find out who that person was, but uh, you know, he he goes over and uh smarms his way into uh, uh ta- talking her and taking her out of there to go get some peeking duck um and uh, uh
1: there's, yeah there's some uh there there's some well he he kind of acts like he's reading her mind cuz what what does he do he he says the peeking duck and then he says something else too uh or is it just like you want to go get some dinner or something? She's like, oh, I was thinking those exact same things. It's like, oh, really? What a coincidence. And then later, when they're at dinner, she reads his mind about complimenting her dress or something. And it's like, what? What's going on here?
0: Yeah. And this is where we find out that the the hears voices thing is that apparently when she was younger, she could read the thoughts of her. I think it was cousin or something. Um, And and she 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 laughs it off and thinks it's funny. But uh uh Lamont Cranston is very uh concerned about this because of course who happens to have some secrets at this table yeah. probably this guy
1: yeah at this point he's just trying not to think of the stay Puft marshmallow man to to you know give himself away
0: right and so he bids her adieu and uh he he says that it's terrible that he's never be able to hang out with her again um it was
1: a lovely evening or he says something very peculiar he doesn't he say something like i can't remember having a such a stimulating date before or something. I'm like, did you just make an erection joke while you're saying goodbye to this woman? I mean, wouldn't put it past him. <sighs> but uh, Alec Baldwin, he's he's just he's very smooth with his
0: words. Ugh, gross.
1: I mean, Although, how would you describe Alec Baldwin's voice? Because uh, I listened to his podcast, and uh, you know, I thought part of it was just it comes with age, but no, he's always talked like that.
0: Yeah, no, he. He has this very deep. Um, uh, it's like a lo- his voice is like a loud whisper. <laughs> yes, it is like a loud whisper. Um, he's a, he's a weird, uh, like sultry kind of thing that he's trying to do at all times. Where it's like, yes, well, you know, blah, yeah, and it has like a, an intonation where it kind of like rises and falls. Um, when his while, voice goes high, being enough, it sounds
1: like a regular human being. But for the most part, yeah, it just sounds. Quiet and weird.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, but that's also an affectation he's doing for this role. And he and he like turns it up to eleven when he's when he's doing the, the shadow uh portion of this when he's not just Lamont Cranston. But um, he
1: he really went for the laughter too. He,
0: yeah. Uh, I'm given to believe that that is an aspect of the radio program. But uh... he committed I, to it. He,
1: he did it. He did he did the things.
0: Yeah. 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 Also you know, Alec Baldwin, um, problematic, uh, I would say, uh, not, not specifically just in like a a general sense, um, in very specific ways, uh, where, you know, maybe he's recently punched somebody, um, for stealing his parking space. Oh, Uh, right. I was gonna say,
1: was that, was that a paparazzi or that was, that was previous years, right?
0: Yeah, just another guy, uh, who parked in a spot that his friend was gonna save for him, um, and then, uh, he got upset and, uh, physically assaulted him. Was he, is, he
1: is very Manhattan to the core, isn't he?
0: Uh, yeah, well, he's lots of things. Um, <laughs> he's he, he's also defended Woody Allen, uh, Woody Allen against the, the 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 accusations against him. So there's a steadfast Woody Allen supporter. Um, it, there are there are some drawbacks to him um, on a lot of levels. Uh, not the least of which, of course, is his temper. You remember the infamous uh, voicemail um, that he yes. left on uh Nicole Kidman's uh I'm sorry not Nicole Kidman's uh Kim Basinger's um his previous his ex-wife uh voicemail about his daughter where he referred to his daughter as a pig um because he's he's just charming he's a really charming thoughtful guy who takes time out of his day to (laughs) secure parking spaces and give people phone calls (laughs) Uh uh-huh
1: uh-huh
0: yeah and then show up on SNL every week to do a horrible Trump impersonation yeah
1: He's uh, he's big on climate change, though, and things like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, I really get the sense that he's he's sort of like a
1: he's a complicated man.
0: He's he's complicated a bit. Uh he's he's a he's man, the man the of contrast. Of contrast. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody ring a bell. Uh, yeah, ugh. he's 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 yeah. Yeah, he's you know, he, you, yeah. You no know, what,
1: you know what contrast is? Shadow. It's his light and shadow. You got to have the light to have the shadow, to have the shadow.
0: Well, I think the other way is how they say it in the film. In order to have the light, you have to have the shadow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, I mean, who cares? Uh, but uh, uh, he he's all bummed out that he, he went on this date and will never be able to have a date with her again. Um, real super big bummer. But uh, then uh, we go to the Museum uh, of Natural History where...
1: They receive a shipment that uh, doesn't say anything other than shipment and where it came from. Yes. Uh, and care, the, care of Tibet. Care of Tibet. And the guy's like,
0: Mr. Head
1: Caretaker Guy, what's this all about? And he's like, well, we weren't expecting anything. What's this? Let's take a look at it. This is the sarcophagus made out of 100% silver of Genghis Khan. What is this doing here? This is very serious. Let, don't... Don't open this sarcophagus while we go find some paperwork or something or make a phone call and then the security guard sits down on a stool with his back turned to it as you do trying to ignore the scary sarcophagus which makes clanking noises and then all of the little uh crab locks alternate and open themselves up and eventually there's uh there's 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 a mannequin looking person inside but it's a real person he's alive he's just standing there which was probably really difficult to just stand there like that for however many days it took them to get over there on a boat from Tibet. Uh, but then he, he tells the uh, the security guard to uh, what, join him or die or something.
0: Yeah, but then he's just like, no, sacrifice yourself. Shoot yourself in the head. Um, yeah, your,
1: your mind is weak, so shoot yourself. Peace yeah. out, bro.
0: This is... At first you're not quite sure what it is you're seeing, but then later on in the film when you realize that... Uh, this has been a plan that's been in motion for at least 10 years um, and that has also uh, required other people by traveling by other means. Uh, That's when it really sinks in that this was an incredibly dumb way to travel. (laughs) Um, But uh, apparently he was traveling in the sarcophagus of Genghis Khan uh, because he's the grandson of Genghis Khan, which is, again, revealed later. Um, So at first you're just like, is this Genghis Khan? Like, cause that's all the information we've been given. Um, but, but no, he kills Ethan Phillips, um, who is best known as, uh, Neelix from Star Trek Voyager. Also the, uh, dad who is in prison in bad Santa. Um, but, uh, not known for much else. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Big, big Ethan Phillips fan. No. Um, no. You but recognize that, uh, Max Wright? Sure. Who? Uh, the 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 other the other guy with the the glasses, um, who was the sort of bumbling assistant guy to oh, the yeah, director definitely. guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, he was in Short Circuit. Um, but uh, but yeah. but
1: what's revealed here also, which I find quite perplexing, is a uh, a Kill Bill two
0: thing. No, wait, which... he wasn't in Short Circuit. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I just... It was issuing a correction.
1: Well, what was he in that you remember him from?
0: Other things.
1: (laughs) Move along. Move along, Dan. So, uh... So... Uh... Distant Genghis Khan cousin-son, um... Trained under, uh... The, uh... The the, the Flying Dagger guy after Alec Baldwin and also learned all of the same powers but was a bad student and, and killed the Master in a, in 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 the same way that kill bill 2 has that whole scene there too and then he's he's going to take over he's going to be the new boss or whatever so the, they're i got lost at this point because he he showed up in a uh an ancient sarcophagus to um gather uh powers and stuff and you you weren't entirely certain if he was like a reanimated mummy or if he was some sort of ancient person cuz he's dressed in like i don't know potentially like ancient mongolian battle garb or whatever to fit with his sarcophagus but then like he's talking about having studied af- after uh Alec Baldwin because Alec Baldwin is a legend because he was a horrible bad person with a uh, with a code name for killing lots of people and then uh and, and then you know they're not so different you and I and they should team up and take over the entire world and stuff cuz power uh well like,
0: you, you skipped over a little bit there there's,
1: there's 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 a lot of there's a lot of things there that aren't necessarily particularly useful but there's a lot there
0: yeah well because uh this murder occurs and then uh he <laughs> he hides had, in
1: some of the other wax figurines
0: which i it was not a scene i needed he could have just left it would be fine <laughs> if he just left
1: but he was surveying the museum and he's like oh i don't want to let them see me yet because they'll charge me admission
0: yeah i mean this is real scooby-doo level stuff uh to, to, to hide with the other um mannequins But uh, he uh, gets a cab ride. Um, Then uh, the cab, you know, says he wrote down his fare. He's like, you wrote down where I was going? And uh, this is when he decides that he's going to kill the cab guy. And he says, oh, you could use some gas. And his tank is almost full. Um, But the guy says, oh, yeah, you're right. And uh, then he drives into a gas truck and says, this must be my lucky day. And then boom. Um, But then... Khan wanders over uh to an empty lot and stares at it. Uh not not important in any way, uh, but we uh go from here to Margot and uh her going to talk to her dad, Reinhardt Lane, who is played by Ian McKellen. Reinhardt Lane is being uh thoroughly uh I don't I don't know, lobbied by Tim Curry's character. Um, F- Farley Claymore to uh turn his his thing into a bomb for the War Department, um. But uh, but he 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 doesn't want to do it. Uh, so- it's just
1: like I want to sit here and tinker with my atomic splitting machinery, and I don't want to do nothing else. Just leave me be, and I'm gonna stay up all night drinking soda pop and making atomic bombs. And but you know don't don't try to trick me into doing something I don't want to do. And so for, for, for Farley Claymore E. e McKellen, e he this role is terrible.
0: Oh yeah, no. This is this is a the Jaws three paycheck for a kitchen role. Um so this is where uh Tim Curry goes across Marco Lane and then um unprompted for no reason, uh is a smarmy, disgusting, gross, harassing man. Um and uh What's interesting here is mainly trying to figure out what accent Tim Curry thought he was going to be doing for this movie. <laughs> uh,
1: I think he's trying to be New Yorkish.
0: Yeah, but he doesn't. Um, at times he sounds like he almost is affecting an Australian accent. Well, and it's he's, like...
1: got that, he's got his bashful Tim Curry voice there too when he's talking to, to Penelope. But uh, yeah, it's not. It's Tim Curry accent mixed with something.
0: Yeah. As we established uh, when we did Congo, Tim Curry can't do accents. Right. He, he just sounds like Tim Curry, uh, but with like some marble-mouthed uh, <laughs> nonsense on top. It's um, an
1: overwhelming flavor. When you put curry in with something else, the curry is going to be the dominant flavor.
0: <laughs> yeah, Thank you for that analogy, Dad. <laughs> You're welcome. But, uh, Tim
1: Curry is the curry powder of actors.
0: Uh that's that's the curry worst there, but uh no. So he 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 he's disgusting, and she rejects him and goes in and talks to her dad. Uh, we establish, of course, that her dad is at the federal building, the War Department, and there's two guards. The and, federal building. Yes, the the one <laughs> singular.
1: <laughs> Take me to the federal building in New York. Mm-hmm.
0: But uh, she she chit chats with him about stuff. Uh, and uh, he he's wondering if she's eaten, and she's like it's two a.m. Um, and uh, he obviously hasn't even touched his food. And it's supposed to give us some idea that he's engrossed in whatever it is that he's whatever business he has. Uh, she goes over to the couch, uh, and we get uh, the second split diopter shot in this movie. Um, the first being one of the bridge shots, uh, where the the mobster uh, was up close, and there was mobsters in the distance. Um so know, see this, I, is,
1: this is where they blew all their money on split diopters. By the way, uh I, I looked it up just to, to compare. Remember uh The Phantom, how I said it didn't look like forty five million dollars? This movie is only twenty five million dollars.
0: Yes. Yes. <laughs> think about that.
1: <laughs> I feel. I feel like both movies should have like shared a little bit and like met in the middle and they both would have been better off.
0: I think the Phantom reused these skylights. Um I was uh <laughs> translates. But uh of the skylines. But the uh, they have a weird conversation uh, where uh, she's like, oh, I have met the, this interesting man, blah, 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 blah. Well, who cares? Uh, He's not listening. Then,
1: He's just tinkering with his, his atomic bomb.
0: No, which is exactly why we need to have sharp focus on both of them. Um, but meanwhile... Uh...
1: <laughs> meanwhile, across town...
0: Yeah, the the death of the the guard is being reported by one of the uh police officers who has uh one of the the rings that they like they really highlight that several oh, times. Oh god, they
1: do it twice too. It's like, "Oh, he's over there." and points and it's like big ring right there. And then later he he's he goes into the door, slip the note through the the other door and like close up on the lock. Big ring right there as he's turning the key.
0: Yeah, so he takes his handwritten note that uh, a murder has occurred, and then puts it into a pneumatic tube, and we get uh, this really stupid shot of this pneumatic tube in action uh, of it of it flying through a model city, and then it keeps going and keeps going, and then by the end of it, uh, as af- after we're in our like, I don't know, eighth shot of this, I, I just like sort of charmed by it because they, they just went for it uh, there's, there's no reason to go this over the top where like uh, <laughs> the
1: it's going through the city and like it rattles some pipes or whatever so like some people look up and see it
0: yeah like they shot reaction shots for this pneumatic tube um, but uh, it, it winds up in a, in a layer of some kind um, some sort of clock tower looking place uh, where there's multiple pneumatic tube exits and uh, a guy there at i guess at all times to check for pneumatic tube letters um but uh he gets it and he signals by pushing a button which makes lamont cranston's ring glow um which lets him know that he has a message so it is it predates the pocket pager um that's the, <laughs> that's the level of technology that exists here uh so he uh goes to the sanctum he gets the he calls the cab goes to the sanctum uh he he wanders down into there. There's this very dramatic thing about like the the brick wall and the the side of the alley opening up, and then he steps down into it, and then it closes back up again. And there's a, a spiral staircase that goes down. There's these big doors that that block it off. He sits down, opens up the little uh I don't I don't know sphincter uh, of TV that he has, and uh, the message is relayed to him that a murder has happened and it's like this is seems a like murder. Seems like a really inefficient way of to notify anybody of anything. But uh well
1: it's it's you know, you, you gotta do all official communication through your skiff to make sure nothing gets leaked.
0: Yes. And uh this is unfortunately when he realized there's a leak because uh Shaiwan Khan uh is inside of the 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 sanctum. He's he standing behind him the whole yeah, time. He, he, he apparently, like, followed him and was unseen uh, as he entered. And uh, he asks for bourbon. Um, he, he has a fondness for it. Uh, this, is of course, is a, another feature of the Shiwan Khan uh, worldly or not worldly feature, uh, where, where there are things where he seems to have an intimate familiarity with American cultural stuff. And then other times no idea what's going on um so it's it's a it's a heck of a duality but
1: uh also i i i would uh you know if, if i already knew he was an adversary i would be a jerk and just correct him and say you don't have to say american bourbon because all bourbon is american so um yeah technically all bourbon is
0: american yeah but this is where uh Alec baldwin uh, realizes that uh, he should try to get some information out of him, so he goes and he pours the bourbon, and uh, they they start chit chatting about uh, Tulku and um, uh, whether or not the museum guard died uh, at his hands, and also uh, where where Lamont Cranston got his tie, uh, Brooks Brothers. <laughs> if you were wondering,
1: they got they uh, got good ties
0: there. I mean, they maybe used to, uh, but uh, I
1: got my bow tie for the wedding
0: i don't particularly remember what it looks like but i'm sure it was it's black nice. Ah, <laughs> well, bl- black is a very slimming bow tie but uh they for my for my large neck
1: <laughs> not that i'm self-conscious about my neck thank you
0: <sighs> is that really what i was i mean, was not seriously applying you had a had a big neck, but no, it's um, fine. You the, think
1: my neck is bad. It's okay. <laughs>
0: that's not what I said. Uh, but uh, they, they, they chit chat and have a rapport about stuff with vaguely threatening things, and then finally, it escalates to the point where he pushes his heel back on a special super secret lever that spins out part of a chair, well, a uh, chair rail wall component that has a handgun inside of it. But uh, Shaiwan Khan disappears up the stairs again, uh, which is interesting. Um, but, uh, you know, Lamont Cranston. Oh, and then mildly don't forget, he, concerned fl- he
1: flips him a coin and says, thanks for the bourbon.
0: Oh yeah. Right before he disappears.
1: A floating yeah. ancient coin, which I guess isn't ancient because they're contemporaries, but again, weird.
0: Yeah. Well, cause we don't know any of this at this point anyways.
1: And then <sighs> so this yeah. whole, I, 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 th- I feel like I remember in some way. The, the coin becomes a plot point because he's intrigued by the metal of it or something because it's unusual. And he takes it to go get looked at by uh, uh, going to get killed by mobsters guy from the opening Do- scene. Dr.
0: Dr. Roy Tam.
1: Dr. Roy Tam. Sure.
0: Everybody loves Roy Tam.
1: Oh, God, stop already. Um, so he's, he's, he thinks there's something up with the metal and he goes and gets it checked out. But then there's this weird side plot where he's talking about how this metal... Uh, it was rumored to have never existed it's a new type of metal it it supposedly came from like the cradle of civilization and pe- there was there's belief that all life and matter is created from this particular metallic element or something and it's like w- what why because no, well the- it, is part of that used in the bomb or something
0: yeah well this is this is what they're getting at here is uh the the scientist pours um a liquid on it and then it causes the it's petri dish a lot dish... of
1: liquid by the way he doesn't even test it out with like a little bit of a swab or anything he just like dumps it on there
0: yeah which is exactly what he was doing in his scientific testing but uh it causes the petri dish to shatter uh and then he instantly says chromium which shouldn't exist and is like well then how would you have a test for chromium exactly uh sir this doesn't make any sense it, you just have like <laughs> a, a collection of liquids one of which proves the existence of chromium and that that's what you pour on something how would you even know if it worked how would you know it expired like i i don't i don't understand the 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 science behind that um which is when you were complaining to me earlier that uh, it was a magic coin i corrected you and said it's worse than a magic coin it's, it's, it's a, science <laughs> coin. a science coin because <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing worse than, than than magic than than trying to like bs your way through science and that's what they try to do in the scene where uh roy tam uh is describing uh chromium as this very special metal that doesn't really exist and that uh uh it was from the cradle of civilization or whatever that's not necessarily where uh, he doesn't say that everything's from chromium but he's saying that the chromium also came from the cradle of civilization but he says that uh lamont cranston um asked if it can be used as weapon or something, and uh, he says, oh, yes, you know, in an implosive, explosive device. And again, I raise the, the the point that if it is a mythical substance that literally no one has seen or touched or anything before, how could you possibly know that of, it would be— There are be, a lot
1: of very serious rumors about its capabilities.
0: Yes, very, very serious and legitimate rumors about the capabilities of a mythical element but uh this is where lamont cranston says atomic bomb and when he says implosive explosive device uh and that that is supposed to be interesting because in the 1930s of course there was no atomic bomb in existence um and uh he realizes that this has something to do with uh uh what's his face the 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 guy Wait, no, he doesn't realize that yet. First, he has his thing with Margot saying, like, oh, you won't check on my dad. He's, you know, answering the phone in Chinese, and that's awful.
1: And he doesn't um, even speak Chinese. Yes, an important plot <laughs> in point. In case it was unclear that my father is not Chinese.
0: <laughs> Sir Ian McKellen as Dr. <laughs> Reinhardt Lane. But uh, what I what I love about the, the, the part where he gets possessed um, is that we see... Uh, the interior of the the layer that Shaiwan Khan has the uh, penthouse suite, I guess, and uh, his minions that are with him, which are everybody's in crazy and comfortable uh, and ineffective uh, pseudo Mongolian armor stuff, uh, and uh, he he goes on a little bit of a trip and uh, appears as the the face in a billboard advertisement uh, for <laughs> Llama Cigarettes. Yeah, instead of camel, um, and instead of you know, like I would go, blah 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 for a camel, it's it's I would climb a mountain for a llama, um, and uh, it blows little smoke rings, but uh, it gets this weird, squiggly face of Shaiwan Khan, uh, and he's going Reinhardt Lane, and uh, somehow hypnotizes Reinhardt into uh, building the bomb for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, Margo is very upset about all this and, uh, goes to the police commissioner at the, the Cobalt Club because I guess that's where you find the police commissioner at all hours, uh, when he's not investigating a murder, but, uh,
1: he's just there to eat his steaks and drink his whatever old fashions and then, uh, go investigate murders.
0: Yeah. Well, I think they were martinis, but. Well, if Baldwin
1: was drinking the martinis, I thought he was drinking more, more of a rocks glass kind of thing.
0: Oh, uh, okay, maybe maybe you switch yeah, it up, but uh, the uh, Mark, you know, Alec Baldwin invites her to the table. Um, uh, Uncle Daddy, uh, Police Commissioner doesn't want anything to do with this, and uh, is is like, oh well, you know, we can't really do anything. Your dad's not really missing. He's just a federal building. He works on weapons, like all sensible things. Uh, and it's probably very top secret. That's
1: why he's not allowed to talk to you.
0: Yeah. And then of course this makes uh Alec Baldwin, who was looking for an implosive explosive device, uh very intrigued. And so he decides that he's going to go pay a visit to uh uh Reinhardt Lane's office. And he does. He arrives to see that uh Hart Lane um is packaging up something uh for the minions of uh Shaiwan Khan who have uh crossbowed the cheeseburger and pizza guy. Um who were two guards who were having nonsense banter about <laughs>
1: we're but, having a very and again this is one of the scenes that uh was written by somebody else who wasn't the writer where it's just like we need to we need to punch this up with some banter like what about what about a burger uh, i don't want a burger uh, what, do you, what do you want the mood for then? Uh, i guess i could have a burger like they they have kevin yeah. smith level dialogue about what they're going to have for dinner
0: it, it really Actually, the, it
1: really is the one guy the tall guy uh was in kevin smith movies
0: was he, he was the, the mall rats uh can't see the 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 the, the sailboat guy clipper oh, wait,
1: wait wait wait. no i don't think right? that was the same guy i think it just looks like that guy
0: oh i think there are two of those guys <laughs> oh man <laughs> and i'm just slandering <laughs> actors left and right
1: oh god sorry we sorry we implied you were the mallrats guy
0: no but he's famous for something else what is he famous for
1: yeah i'm trying to find his character name uh I don't know I, I don't know what you would call him. Hmm. Guard. Police officer. No. No.
0: Looking looking for something more like a guard?
1: Well, you got Cranston Guard, but that's not
0: him. No. Hmm. Oh, Marine Guard. Here we are. Here we are. Mm. Yes. Uh, yes. The other guard.
1: <laughs> this is oh, you got Steve Steve Heitner, who was uh who was in uh Seinfeld. He he was uh uh, Gold Jerry. What uh, I forget what his what his career was. Oh, he was a bad stand-up comedian. Um, and then this other guy, Abraham Ben Ruby. Oh, he was on ER. And uh, oh, <laughs> Parker Lewis <can't> lose.
0: <laughs> okay, so I recognize him from ER, but I did get him confused with the Mallrats guy.
1: Yeah, well, he's he's got a little bit of the same look with the with the the face.
0: Mm-hmm. No, but uh. Uh, anyway, they 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 get crossbowed. Um, and uh, really
1: not in any Kevin Smith movies. I feel like I need a redcon kind prove us right here.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, it's the internet; you can just change it. Um, but uh, they, they 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 the minions go in, and they they're gonna get out of there with the the stuff and Reinhardt. But they they hear some maniacal laughing coming from the balcony. What could it be?
1: By the way, not great for um. The element of surprise. I know, like he's able to like throw his voice, like like he's, you know, some sort of hypnotist or whatever, or he has a ventrilo- ventriloquist dummy or something. But it's not ser- seriously helpful when you're announcing to people that you're showing up.
0: No, and uh, the, the 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 you know shadow dispatches um, this person and goes inside and dispatches some more. But then they have flashlights, and the only thing the shadow can't hide is his shadow. So uh, they shine a little light on him Um, then then
1: they they shoot his shadow with the crossbow to like pin him to the wall but also not only can he not hide his shadow he also apparently is his shadow so if you like hit the shadow you hit him but that's not really how angles and light works unless you're literally standing right up against the wall but don't do that
0: sorry dan here's a file complaint with russell mucky but um uh the more offensive part of this scene, I think is the uh the white guy who is the lead henchman um but has a interesting medieval uh Chinese uh, ponytail thing going on in the back and stuff and tries <laughs> to speak in an affected way
1: business in the front, ancient Mongolian in the back.
0: Yeah, this is not, this is not, um, I would say this is not culturally sensitive. Uh, you could have just had him be, like, a, a New York thug that works for him. Uh, I'm not clear on why they thought it was a good idea to cast this person and then put him in this stuff and then have him speak in this manner, but they did all of that, uh, so he's there, and he's one of the head guys, so he seems to be in charge of everybody else, so that's also problematic but uh you know alec baldwin dramatically steps out of his shadow um and then reveals that he had guns the entire time he just didn't use them um and uh this is when he dispatches some people gets out of there and uh reinhardt lane gets out of there with a bomb but uh uh, he tackles some guy off of the ledge and they fall to the thing and then he says next time you can be on top, and I laughed at that, but not for the reasons that (laughs) I probably should have laughed at it, but, um, uh, yeah, so uh, there's also a body that falls and uh, lands next to Peter Boyle's car, and he's reading up on how to, like, I don't know, have ESP, but uh, he's like, someone's coming, (laughs) and the body falls, but uh, Peter Boyle hops in the car, and sure enough, in the car is the shed. And uh they they get out of there, because uh, he's he's badly hurt. And they go back to his mansion, Map Painting, uh, where uh he will treat his wounds. Uh and uh Margot, meanwhile, goes to the, the office because she's summoned by a phone call from her dad, who is now a captive of uh Shaiwan Khan. Uh and uh for some reason he tells her to go to the, the the dad's office. She does that, and then uh, she's possessed um, by the billboard again. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know why. I don't know why it's dependent on this billboard. But I <laughs> mean,
1: a- advertising really uh, can motivate people to do things that they wouldn't otherwise have done consciously. It's it's you know subliminal from time to time. But uh, you know, people are susceptible to to, to well crafted ads.
0: See, I think that would have been a more interesting avenue to take with this rather than um, he makes an atomic bomb um, with, with chromium and other stuff. I, th- I think it would have been more uh, entertaining to have it, since it's all about mind control, to have it be like him using mind control of uh, our uh, capitalist society to strike back at us. It can
1: be um, like, uh, uh, like uh, what was it, Undercover Brother, where there's the, the fried chicken restaurants that are going around the world, but the, all of them have... Uh, mind-controlling drugs in them?
0: I did not see that movie, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh...
1: It's something else.
0: Okay. Uh, speaking of something else, uh, she is transitions from being on the balcony to being in Chaiwan Khan's um, uh, penthouse room uh, where he, like, takes her jacket off and it's all, like, yeah, leering, and then uh, gives her a gun and uh, a bullet um, and then sends her to go uh, kill the shadow. And she knows who the shadow is because deep down inside, she read Lamont Cranston's mind. Um, so she shows up at the mansion and somehow gets inside without <sighs> any problem at all because he apparently doesn't lock any doors or employ any staff um, other than the one guy who takes a silver tray up and downstairs. Yeah. But, but she's she, she,
1: luckily she's incredibly inept and she shoots a mirror instead of shooting him.
0: Yeah. Well what I love about that is uh they framed it like, oh no, is she really shooting him? And it's like, This is a mirror. Like there is He's at an so, angle
1: and distorted.
0: Yeah, there's so obvious that it's a mirror. It's not even like one of those those shots where they like pull back and reveal that she had shot a mirror, uh even though they'd like shot photographically something from another angle or something. Or they tried to distort her vision or something like that. No, it was just straight on, hey look, we're looking at a mirror right now, and then she shoots it. Um but uh he Snaps to, um, uh, and then then gets her out of it, uh, by, you know, saying whatever it was that, uh, snapped her to, and then she uh is like, oh no, how did I get here? What's going on? I just kept hearing this voice that said I had to kill the shadow. Oh my god, you must be the shadow. I knew it all along. Uh, and then he's like, oh, god. Uh, okay, well you can stay the night, I guess, but you gotta be on in the morning, and then. <laughs>
1: And then she and then there's one of the most ridiculous scenes in the whole movie where there's uh playful banter and sexual tension in the morning.
0: Yeah. It's so
1: it's so weird. It's so weird. She's got she's recounting her very long dream about being naked on the beach or whatever and he's like, "Oh, I had a dream where I pulled all the skin off my face."
0: <laughs> See? I I like the comedy aspect of it that. It was where... very
1: funny, but it it made no sense. It it, it made the movie longer unnecessarily. Didn't really help their relationship. It was kind of just a bit, but it was funny. And then you're just like, what is happening? And then he 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 gave her a dress from his aunt or something that was in the closet.
0: <laughs> his aunt Rose or whatever. She's like, oh, she really kept her figure, huh? Because yeah, obviously this is not from an aunt. <laughs> this this is from the uh, you know. A girlfriend of some kind, I guess. Yeah, but like, um, he, why, why does he still have her clothes? I don't know. I mean, it's just like, uh, what's his face in The Rocketeer? Uh, he had a whole wardrobe full of stuff.
1: I, well, he, he worked in the movie business. I could see him having like, uh, leftover wardrobe stuff.
0: Also, we, we don't know, we don't know everything about Lamont Cranston. The man is a mystery. Maybe sometimes he just, you know, put, puts on some other stuff. He, he would not have fit in that dress. <laughs> yeah okay so fair fair Alec point. Baldwin but, uh, is
1: many things but not particularly felt. <laughs> <svelte.
0: laughs> not, not exactly an hour less figure but uh she changes behind a screen um uh, because he's it's like oh I, i'm gonna leave uh and then she's like oh no you don't have to leave and this is a weird kind of uh male fantasy reward thing of like oh this is a girl who's cool with me being in the room and it's like this is silly because there's no reason why she would be cool with him being in the room, regardless of whether or not he was the shadow or she had been hypnotized the previous night. There's no reason why she would be changing in here, uh, in his presence like this, uh, giddy, uh, that he's there. Um, they have no established romantic, uh, interest really other than one date that they had been on. They had a date that went
1: so well, but they can't see each other because of secrets.
0: Yeah, but but then they start doing the mind-reading thing, and she's, like, you know, finishing his his sentences and stuff. Sandwiches. Uh, Yes, and and he's very annoyed about that. Um, And he says that uh, they went to... He went to such-and-such a place, but it was empty, so she's going to go to the Hall of Records or whatever, library, city hall, something.
1: Find out what you can about that abandoned corner that he was staring at.
0: Yeah, and then... uh, what is it? The beryllium sphere thing. Uh,
1: yeah. Cause somebody said like, Oh God, we've got this atomic bomb. If only I had a beryllium sphere when earlier, uh, mm-hmm. Tim Curry was talking about his beryllium sphere. I mean,
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: I show off your beryllium sphere to everyone.
0: Well, she, she had her quippy little line about how she didn't want to see his spheres. Um, and, uh, he had only implied that there was one. So naturally, naturally. She she instituted this innuendo. But uh, he this is where we get a map painting of some weird ball thing that's over by a bridge and uh, Alec Baldwin uh, arrives there uh, and gets, lets himself in. Then uh, uh, Farley Claymore arrives and goes in and there is a confrontation with laughing and stuff. Unfortunately, Farley Claymore while being uh, weak-minded, uh, is a little more clever than the, the basic henchman. Uh, so he does manage to uh, pull the lever that uh, floods this room with water, which is a definitely a lever I would have in my big round tank.
1: Yeah, this room apparently does... I was going to say two things, but it really only does the one thing uh, of flooding because there's nothing else really in the room, is there?
0: No, because the beryllium sphere is gone. It was housed here, apparently, I guess? It was
1: just a big spherical room that fills up with water where you also can keep a beryllium sphere.
0: Yes, it doesn't really make any sense because also the controls for whether or not the room's full of water are on the inside of the building. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if you fill it up with water, you're inside of the building.
1: Well, you just got to turn it on slowly and then leave quickly.
0: Yes. (sighs) Or, and then once you're outside just open the door and then stand very far back um because or just it don't ever just come in ever again
1: just don't ever come in again
0: <laughs> no. yeah that that spherical room is dead to me but um so it is it doesn't really seem like a lab as much of a trap uh but uh it, fi- it starts filling with water um he starts shooting around and uh sees the uh the legs uh sort of, well, not the legs, but the sort of holes in the water where the legs would be, um, which for 1994, they did a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so uh, he shoots that, that, and there's some blood in the water, uh, and then he and then the skedaddles. <laughs> <laughs> yes, all of those infamous tank sharks. But uh, he, he skedaddles and closes the the weird submarine door and then uh, sticks a, a, a metal, quote-unquote metal, uh pull through that and uh is is going to kill the shadow very slowly by by drowning him uh and this is when uh Umant Cranston realizes he's effed and uh uses his <laughs> telepathic connection to Margot, and uh his telepathic connection to Margot uh it causes her to like drop a book and like you know fall backwards in a chair uh because it was so startling to her, mm-hmm. but she she knows immediately where he is and what she needs to do. She she, she arrives down there,
1: and and yeah, he she, he uh, he luckily when he got shot, a couple of bullet holes went bullets went through the wall, so he's got holes where some air uh, is coming in. Because apparently this this is a non insulated water sphere, so it's just a thin layer of metal between the interior and the exterior. So he can he can catch his breath briefly after the the sphere has filled up with water, and then swim back over to the door to meet Margot.
0: Yeah, and he mouths uh, open the door, which I feel is perhaps unnecessary.
1: Mm-hmm. And then he, he pantomimes the turning of the lever.
0: Yeah, yeah, because obviously she's never tried to open a door before. Um, But uh, she pulls the metal stick out and then opens the thing, and then they both get knocked out Uh, with all of the water flooding out of there, even though it's not as much water as would have filled the volume. Um, it is enough movie water for us to move on with this. Um, and, uh, uh, they, they sort of talk about the information that they have learned and they go dry off, I guess. And meanwhile, there's know, still,
1: there's still like two paragraphs of plot left on Wikipedia. It's, this, this is ridiculous.
0: And meanwhile, there's a bomb that's being built and, uh, Tim Curry is, Making fun of uh, Ian McAllen because he can, because Ian McAllen is hypnotized, and he's like I
1: told you so, we were gonna we're gonna make a bomb and then we're gonna be kings and it's gonna be super awesome. And then apparently he uses the wrong word, saying he's gonna be a king or something after the fall of civilization. And uh, and Mr Khan is not particularly thrilled with that because uh, he he's really in charge and Tim Curry has no bargaining chips anymore because. I, I, for some reason, Khan says, like, you can make me another one of these, right? He's like, oh, yeah, totally, I can do this. Like, what do you need another atomic bomb for? What are, you, are you just going to go blow up every major city or something? What, why, why don't you just calm down?
0: Well, I mean, if his plan is to destroy civilization, then he would probably blow up more than one city. Well,
1: his plan is to take over the world, and I, I, figure, I feel like you can do that with sort of just general intimidation after this. You don't really need to, like, detonate everything.
0: But what if you did?
1: what if you did sure he could could rule over a wasteland that'd be fine
0: yeah well i mean his plan is his plan is bad Um, he's he's not
1: really familiar with
0: radiation no no i mean who knows if this chromium implosive explosive device has radiation specifically but whatever uh they 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 have their their weird thing where he's explaining that he's going to extort them and he like has a ransom for some reason i don't understand the point of having all those newspaper headlines it doesn't seem to do anything he's not like trying right, yeah, to he's, drive people into a frenzy or anything
1: there's a ransom but also he sets the timer for two hours and then he's like we got to get catch a plane in an hour and we're getting out of town yeah so that's useful right or is it you, you blow up one to show everyone that you're serious and then you say all right, pay up or I blow up everybody else. And they're like, oh, he's probably got more bombs, even if he doesn't.
0: Yeah, maybe. It's possible. When, when, <sighs> when to sh- show him you, you got it. But uh, what's more interesting about this is that uh, Margot and uh, Alec Baldwin have their weird scene where uh, she's like, oh, you know, it's so weird. Like everybody, you know, knows that, Uh, the, the guy who worked at that address, like went crazy and killed himself, but, uh, nobody knows why. And it was bankrupt, but there's no records of it being torn down. Um, and he's like, oh, that's strange. What if it never was torn down? And suddenly they go over there. And, uh, because he has these suspicions now, as opposed to earlier, he can suddenly see through the illusion. Uh, and mm-hmm. he... he
1: uses mind bullets to, to, to shatter the, the, the mind mirror from the other guy.
0: Right. And so this, uh, optically composited fog thing starts to clear and we see a, uh, a building. The, the hotel monolith, uh, is revealed and there's a very nice, very
1: subtle name, by the way,
0: <laughs> There's a very nice, uh, uh, music cue here, uh, from Jerry Goldsmith for this, this revelation. Um, Oh, the the whole score by Jerry Goldsmith is pretty good, I think. Uh, the, the song in the end credits is bad, but we will talk about that later. Um, the they uh, you know formulate this weird plan where he's going to go in, but they're going to have instructions. But first, they need to leave. I guess I don't know. So then they they leave and regroup, and uh, they will follow the instructions specifically that they've been given and they're written on invisible ink things that fade in and stuff.
1: Well, I think that's also uh it's a mind bullets thing. If you know that there's ink on the paper, you can see the ink on the
0: paper. Yeah, maybe that's why you can't take off the ring. But um the anyway, they they see the the stuff uh fade in and dissolve and stuff. And we see Peter boy's home life uh with his his wife.
1: <laughs> Just sitting there reading the paper together.
0: Yeah. But uh they they go to do the thing. I don't know why they didn't just go into doing the thing when they were there, why they had to go back home first, but they did. Um, and you know, Lamont Cranston goes into the lobby, uh, and they, they, they figure out that he's down there and, uh, they're going to send down people to go take care of him. Uh, and they send everyone, including Tim Curry, who is given a Tommy gun, um, which is, not really an instrument I would have given to Tim Curry under any condition uh, in any of the roles he's ever played, but uh, but they I did mean,
1: And again, he's still ostensibly a, a scientist of sorts.
0: Yeah, yeah, the scientist of spray and pray. But um, he he goes down to they they all go down to the what lobby. Tommy
1: gun, Tommy gun would be cool. Eh,
0: they go down to the lobby, and the lobby is the Pantages Theater in Hollywood. Um, <laughs> I, I I know that it is because I have been there. Uh, mm. and they wander it's around, and uh, there's some laughter that uh, Tim Curry hears, and so he points and says that they should all go that way, and then he goes the opposite direction. It's very Scooby Doo. He wanders into a ballroom, which is somewhere else, and uh, the ballroom that he is in, um, seems totally like a great place to be because there's big, wide open spaces. Uh, and this is where you start hearing more of the laughter, and the doors are shutting, and uh, Stuff And so Tim Curry is just spinning around like a ballerina shooting bullets and uh, it doesn't hit anything. He shines flashlight, catches him for a second and shoots and then catches him for a second and shoots. But he's not hitting him in any of these times. It's not exactly clear why shooting at this shadow produces no effect, considering that. The he has to be somewhere between where the light source is and where the wall is in order for the shadow to be there. Unless this shadow, I'm
1: telling you, man, you got to have a little bit of distance between you and the wall, and then suddenly it's not so easy for them to shoot you.
0: Yeah, or or maybe these shadows are illusions that he is projecting. It's not clear, but uh, he uh, Lamont Cranston, start, uh, uh, you know, tells him like you know you're you're gonna get it now, uh, you big old jerk. And uh, Tim Curry starts frothing at the mouth which is not usually a trope you see very often these days. <laughs> and uh, he loses it to the point where Lamont Cranston lets him out of the room and says that uh, he should go find the exit and then the letter's exit appear over a window and he jumps through it um, maniacally.
1: Yeah, so that's that's one of the phantom's powers, right? The, the, the mind controlling of people.
0: Well, it's not even mind control in this specific case. It's like, I've put some letters over this. It looks like it says exit. Go for it. It's just like when uh Shaiwan Khan was like you need some gas. Um mm-hmm. but uh anyway, he he gives him this illusion and then he follows her and kills himself. Uh and then we get the big battle with uh Shaiwan Khan and uh the shadow. Um but this is when it's revealed that Shaiwan Khan has a uh special disco floor um or something like <laughs>
1: He has a uh, uh a sound stage on a gimbal or something.
0: It is not entirely clear why the why Shaiwan Khan would want this floor built like this or why the hotel owner before his death would have instructed anyone to build the floor like this.
1: Uh it was it was probably built before uh the Great Depression so they were all doing a lot of cocaine they were all really like hopped up having their studio 54 disco nights. It studio- probably, probably strap on their roller skates and then they tilt the floor around and everyone goes flying.
0: That's the Studio Fifty Four didn't exist yet, Dan.
1: I I know. Okay, it was, proto- right. it was the prototype.
0: Okay. <laughs> it kind of reminded me of uh, in Flash Gordon when they go to the, the 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 wing people place and there's the rotating floor with like the little spike thingies.
1: Sure, I've seen Flash Gordon.
0: It's a, another problematic classic, but uh, so th- they have a fight and there's Ferba there again and there's more Furba action uh, and this is <laughs> you keep referring to it like it's a person well I mean it, they they wanted it to they gave it a face and little hands and arms and stuff but uh, they they have a whole thing where Chowon Khan says oh you never mastered uh, Furba uh, and obviously he didn't but at the same time somehow in the course of the things that are occurring here he does master Furba but don't see why or how it doesn't seem to have anything to do with like atoning for sins or understanding the universe yeah yeah so it doesn't it's it's not a meaningful exchange but uh, they somehow he gets control over it and then stabs Shaiwan Khan with it and when Shaiwan Khan loses focus his illusion his his mass hypnosis um, of all of this stuff breaks down and so everyone outside can see that this hotel just suddenly appeared out of nowhere. Um the police come and they see that there's a hotel there. Um the uh, uh uh Ian McKellen snaps out of his thing uh and no and uh Margot finds him. Um
1: and then there's some slapstick comedy with like trying to uh deactivate the bomb and then like wrong wire eh. he cuts the wrong wire and then it starts speeding up and then he just twists the wire back together and is like whoops my bad and now like most of the time is run out. There's only two minutes, but then it like falls off the chain and it's rolling around in the hotel and they're chasing it around literally like Scooby-Doo. Like, did it go down these stairs? Did it go through that door? Where is it? And they find it at the last minute. And then for some reason earlier in the movie, they set up this thing where Ian McKellen can't tell the difference between green and red. Uh, It's not, it's not like a color blindness thing. He just like, doesn't know which one is what word. So, uh he's like well it's always the green one and then he goes to cut the red one and she's like no not that one and then she just yanks the green one and uh it, it stops although if he was the one designing it yeah thinks red is green and green is red he should have cut the red one
0: yes exactly this is, this is the exact same thing i was going to say because <laughs> if, if he's the one who did that like they didn't show like tim curry putting the color coding into place also by the way just so you know uh, they didn't have vinyl coated wires back then. It would have been cloth.
1: Oh, oh, oh this whole movie is invalid.
0: <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, oh, but I do appreciate that they did, did like the weird little vacuum tube letter things, n- number of things. But uh,
1: oh, that was pretty cool. You can still you can get like an alarm clock these days with that old school tech in it, uh, but it's like three hundred dollars.
0: Don't really have a need. Um, but uh, they. They, they they you know they have they have some fun doing this, and for some reason it needs to like bounce over an elevator and everything it's just like we don't need to escalate this further you just turn off the bomb um
1: it's not an it's not an escalator, it's an elevator it's not escalated it's elevated
0: <laughs> thank you dan <laughs> yes the <laughs> the attention was very elevated um but uh at, uh I was not floored by it um and they 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 pull that off the police are in there doing their stuff uh and uh cranston chases after Shawan khan through the sarcophagus which has been turned into a laundry chute um and the they they go from the laundry room into uh the 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 prop storage area for the film um where there's just a bunch of mirrors stacked around <laughs> and stuff and then they go into a hallway of literal mirrors um and apparently there was supposed to be uh a much more elaborate hallway of mirrors, and it was supposed to be about showing um Alec Baldwin like the 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 way that uh he had behaved when he was a warlord and how he needed to confront that part of himself or something. But
1: uh Yeah, because they set that up earlier where he was having the one bad dream after he got wounded or something. Uh and what's her name, like sneaks into his dream and sees the horribleness. And you know we know he's sort of tortured by some of these things, and he was a bad person, and you would expect him to at some point come to terms with it. But it turns out there was a practical reason that was not uh, possible.
0: Yeah, but they they don't do that. <laughs> they, they they instead what happens is uh, they're chasing each other through a hallway of mirrors and like cracking certain mirrors and going, oh no, that wasn't really you again, Scooby Doo esque. And then uh, they finally get to the point where uh Alec Baldwin just like uses his mind to shatter all of the mirrors I guess and then he uses telekinesis to lift up a shard of the mirror and and fling it into Shaiwan Khan's forehead um and that you know seems like that's the end of that basically uh but then we go or to where is it then we go to the uh mental ward where uh Shiwon Khan is and we only see him from the back and then we reveal that uh the doctor comes in and he tries to mind control the doctor, uh, but the doctor isn't really mind controlled, he's just being compliant initially. Uh, and uh laughs at him and and uh says that uh, you know, they they just had to remove part of his brain, but don't worry, nobody nobody really uses that part of their brain unless he thinks that he uses telekinesis or telepathy.
1: <sighs> unless you believe in telepathy, yeah. Yeah. That's,
0: chuckle chuckle that's... chuckle.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. And then uh, there's a very silly-looking enormous scar on his head, and then uh, he leaves. And we see that the doctor has a uh, little shadow informant ring um, as on, on his way out of there. Uh, and Margot and Alec Baldwin are all like, "Yeah, the, we, we we had a great time. Love you. You're great. <laughs> so Did, great.
1: Do it again next week.
0: Yeah. And this was the start of a lucrative franchise. It was not.
1: It was not. Oh, oh, oh,
0: this movie again i've defeated it's you mess. <laughs>
1: it's a mess it is a mess i mean has there been i mean the rocketeer was campy and played into that and it had the the benefit of a regular guy who got a hold of this technology and stuff. So I, there are reasons the Rocketeer works. Are there any other movies that try to like mimic this era and do some sort of extra, extraordinary like comedy action adventure love story thing that actually works? Just, it seems like such a, uh, I think that Hollywood kept trying to do, but was never able to successfully like figure out a formula that worked.
0: Well, I mean, I would say that, the Indiana Jones series of movies tried to do this several times. So
1: I guess maybe it's because he, he doesn't spend enough time just like meandering about cities, like in his, uh, 1930s suits and stuff that he has more adventure.
0: Yeah. Uh, my, my major problem with this movie is just that they, they don't really develop, uh, the shadow Lamont Cranston into a character through this uh they they just have somebody that does things um he doesn't he doesn't really atone for his previous sins he doesn't um uh it's not like he's living a a a life uh where it's all purely about his atonement he's still you know going out to the cobalt club and having drinks and <laughs> going home at night
1: yeah what 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 the the shadow franchise needed was uh it's gritty batman begins reboot before it could get into its uh, Dark Knight, which would be this storyline. Well, I mean, he doesn't but technically. The storyline of this is the the Dark Knight Rises, isn't it? Because you get the you get the big round atomic bomb in New York.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, well you, but you also get your your opening of uh, you know, the 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 mystical magical. I'm gonna go, you know, see some stuff in the in the the far east stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Again, I don't like that. Um, I don't think that that is well executed here, uh, or anywhere else. And I don't think it really. Um, it doesn't elevate this material uh, at all, especially when I they mean, keep... I
1: mean, look, ma- magic comes from the continent of Asia. Like, there's nothing you can do about that.
0: <laughs> well, I, I mean, I could have bought that uh, there was something magical about h- h- what he's learned or something, but it needed to be tied to him paying a debt to the people he had wronged if that was going to be the case. But since it's just like, no, you were awful here, and we've given you super mega ultra powers and then you can go live like a king somewhere else. Congratulations. Yeah. And then it's just like, well then what was the moral of that story? Like, you yeah.
1: ju- if this was a character that they knew people would show up for through good times and bad like Batman, they re- they could have taken their time with that sort of origin story and really gotten into it and turned it into a thing, but as it stood, you know, they were taking a risk on this thing so they had to put everything into this one story and basically everything was just brushed past in a very nonchalant way. It didn't really help it.
0: No. And again, this is very transparently an attempt by Universal uh to capitalize on the Tim Burton Batman you know, craze that, that had occurred. This mm-hmm. movie had been in development for much longer than that. Uh the one of the main producers on it had secured the rights to this in nineteen eighty two. Um so this is not yeah. This is not purely a uh, knee-jerk thing, but there was definitely the impetus to finally get something done on it once Batman was out there. And it did serve as a template in many ways for what they were going to do. Um, You get a lot of very Batman-esque stuff in there. Uh, When I was watching this last night, uh, Jason came home uh, from a dinner he was having, and he walks in and he goes, why are you watching Batman? And I said, I'm not. This is the shadow (laughs) He said, it looks like Batman. And I said, it's not Batman. <laughs> but uh, to to the casual observer, it may seem that way. Uh, mm-hmm. and, then, and then then he said, why does it sound like Batman? And I said, it doesn't sound like Batman. <laughs> this isn't Danny Elfman.
1: <laughs> oh, God, to be a fly on the wall in your home from, sometimes.
0: <laughs> no, but uh, but yeah, it, it, just, it just has all that weird, like, f- the Far East is magic kind of stuff. And then here's our... Uh, white guy we're going to give superpowers to and then he's going to go be super powerful and stuff and save things but uh but it 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 lacks a lot of the charm and chemistry again um uh this this Penelope Ann Miller um is unfortunately <sighs> she's not uh they they don't really have a rapport i would say the the, the two of them Alec be- uh Baldwin and and Penelope Ann Miller
1: I mean her character is about as thin as anything could possibly be. I mean Ian McKellen is the only character who is worse written than her, but uh they didn't really give her much to work with. So it's not terribly surprising that she comes across like a uh, a character from a comic strip.
0: Yeah, also she's the only major woman in this movie. Um I believe the only other woman that I can think of with lines is the wife of Roy Tam, um, they briefly have a discussion about how they can't believe that the shadow exists or something. Um, well, uh, you talking about Peter Boyle? No, Roy Roy Tam.
1: Who's Roy Tam?
0: The scientist, chromium guy. Chromium guy.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, but uh, uh, Peter Boyle's wife says, "Is that another letter from the something or other when somebody slips the invisible?" Nail oh in yeah, his yeah, door? yeah. But that's it. Okay.
0: So they 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 both get like a line or two. A <laughs> but, sing yeah singular. Yeah, but they, and they don't recur through the movie or anything. Uh, so she's the only, like, real woman in this movie, and she gets nothing. She just has telepathic powers, which involve her reading his mind, which just makes him scared of her. But uh, she's
1: also dumb. She's like, well, that's weird. I guess I can kind of read your mind. Oh, well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's not written like you could actually read anybody's mind. <laughs> because if you could read somebody's mind, then wouldn't you read their mind? Um, I don't know. I mean, even if you were just like, I respect you or something, I'd just be like, Oh yeah, I'm definitely not reading your mind and then read your mind anyways, because w- what are you going to do? Not, not read their mind. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't work. It's not, it just doesn't work. And it, it, you know, it's a similar issue like Billy Zane and, uh, uh, Chrissy Swanson, uh, Christy Swanson, uh, they, they don't have chemistry in that movie either. Um, the and in, in this movie we we have a, again two people that don't have chemistry um and the, the 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 woman is uh unfortunately written to be very weak um and uh doesn't really help like the most she does is get a telepathic message to go open a door um so she is uh she saves his life yeah you know, she she's she's at the same level as like Alexa or Siri um she's <laughs> she's not she's not really like a person with agency in this stuff.
1: Alexa, open the door. Oh no! Stop, <laughs> Alexa, stop! Oh, sorry, I forgot. There's one in here. I'm still getting used to that.
0: <laughs> well, you don't—you don't actually have it hooked up to open a door, do you?
1: No, no. But it's—it would be in front of me, and it would say something about being unable to open the door.
0: Oh. Well, anyway, uh, th- these these are the the quibbles that I have, um, with with this. So it's this big glossy 1994 production of a thing that ultimately uh is very hollow and uh has has no real substance to it much like a shadow
1: mm, it's the absence of light yes uh, and then they would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for you
0: yeah i really can't I'd get live. over the scooby-doo-ness of a lot of this
1: even the title the the big green italics text looks oh, scooby doo I,
0: I love the title the
1: the opening title of the movie itself?
0: Yeah, where the, 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 you start on the W and then the shadow slowly yeah, that, comes that in. was
1: actually pretty cool. I, just, I was just looking at the movie poster here. No, but the, oh, in, okay. the, in the movie itself, it was actually very cool.
0: No, the the movie poster's dumb. They did a weird sort of bevel embossed glossy thing. It's like comic book stained glass or something. I don't know what they were thinking.
1: Who knows what evil lurks in the heart of men? Mm-hmm. Well, the shadow knows because the evil is in his heart as well.
0: <laughs> well, I think the shadow knows because he has an enormous nose
1: the nose, nose.
0: <laughs> yes. That's what he should have said. That would have been funny. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, the, 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 uh, what was this? He's just like some, something crime bears bitter fruit. You should have been like, he who smelt it dealt it, um, or something. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he should, he should have used that before, uh, like stabbing him with the
0: thing. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you look at, you look at better renditions of this, um, and like, like your Darkwing duck, you know, and
1: Darkwing Duck is a better rendition.
0: I, I am, I am the terror that flaps in the night. Oh god! I am the raspberry seed that gets stuck in your teeth. <laughs> he he had, the, he had the he had the best best writing, but way better than uh, this.
1: Oh god! Uh, and and Darkwing Duck predates this, ninety one to ninety two.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, wow. it took cues from the the Shadow Serial, not not cues from. The yeah, swoop.
1: sure. I just, I, I don't have a time period for it yeah i recently found some vhs copies of like the ghostbuster cartoon and some other horrible old stuff too uh
0: are you slowly converting all of that into your archive of (sighs) tapes yeah
1: yeah by the way one thing that i i didn't really realize uh and and i want to know who in their right mind thought it was a good idea is that some vhs tapes can be six hours long
0: well, that's great, Dan, if you're going to set up a recording for a football not, game it's event. Not, it's,
1: it's not great. I've got, like, Pinocchio on there, the the movie, and then, like, four more hours of just horrible Saturday cartoons.
0: Well, I mean, are you blaming the tape cassette manufacturers for making tapes that were large enough for you to do that?
1: Yes, it makes my life <laughs> difficult. If, they were, if there were multiple shorter tapes, it would be easier for me to do this thing here.
0: Or, or would you say that perhaps you made your own life difficult?
1: I didn't make these tapes. I don't think. I don't think I was literally six years old recording cartoons off of the TV.
0: Okay, if you say so.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of these tapes, I think, has a. Uh, there was a Where's Waldo TV show for a very uh, brief period of time. I think I haven't yet found that, but I think that's on here somewhere.
0: Oh uh, yes, I, I vaguely recall something about that. But uh, you know, what what other Where's Waldo could there be if there was? You know the shadow. You should you should do a Where's Waldo reboot where there's just a shadow of Waldo, um, somewhere
1: in in the a thing. A striped shadow.
0: No, just like a, a shadow of a person. Don't be silly. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm the one being silly. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, you have to identify the shadow that's shaped like Waldo. Well, that would be pretty easy with that pointy hat with the little ball on the top. You'd think so, but you haven't seen any shadows. I'm gonna draw the rest of it. But uh, anyway. This concludes this bad movie. Our
1: our broadcast day.
0: Yeah. uh, And now we will be played out either by uh, the horrible end title credit music, which is terrible and no one remembers or likes, or I'll be merciful and I will play uh, something Jerry Goldsmith composed for the film. It's a mystery.
1: We'll we'll never know.
0: We'll never know. Literally seconds from now, you'll never know.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: The end. Mm Mm-hmm. Make it stop. (laughs) I've been looking for an original sin One with a twist and a bit of a spin And since I've done all the old ones Till they've all been done in now I'm just looking, and I'm gone with the wind, endlessly searching for an original. Scene.